0: Hey, I am uh, really thankful to be here with you this morning. And I'm thankful for what God has done through all of us, through the Grand Prairie Alliance Church. You know, in 1995, 26 years ago, I stood on this platform, not in this specific building, but uh, in the other church, um, but through this body of believers. And you commissioned me to be your representative to fulfill the will of the Lord, to take the good news of his kingdom to the nation of Guinea. And I know that uh, back in the day, some of you who are here today were there at that time. And um, I just want to say today that I'm really thankful to be a member of this body of believers of the Grand Prairie Alliance Church, and you have blessed my life in a a myriad of different ways. I'm thankful that uh, we are a part of a body of believers that has always taken seriously the mandate that God has given to his church to go <clears throat> to Jerusalem, which is our community, uh, to Samaria, which is outside of our community, and to the ends of the earth, which is to the nations. And you have been a good partner in God's vision to send and also to support those who you have sent. In Mark 16:15. Uh, jesus said go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation in romans 10 14 and 15 how then can they call on him who they have not believed and how can they believe in him who they have not heard and how can they hear without somebody preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent so today i want to thank you for partnering with the lord and just to give him all the glory that is due his name. I'm really thankful that I can speak to you today on Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, it's a wonderful tradition that we have, isn't it? That the whole country uh, comes together to think about um, what are we thankful for? And we as children of the living God, what are we thankful for? Today I am really thankful and grateful for God's word and the many, 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 many precious promises that He has given us, His children, His called-out ones, and His future bride. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, and do it with gentleness and respect. So what is the hope that we have within us? Well, I like this quote by John Piper. Christian hope is that when God promises that something's going to happen, you put your trust in that promise. Christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised it will come to pass. I gave my life to Christ as an adult when I was 27. And right from the very beginning, when I heard and read that Jesus was planning on returning that he was going to make a new heaven and a new earth where there was going to be no more sin, that he was planning on making his home here on earth with mankind where he would reign, and that the gospel needed to be preached to all the nations before he will return, well, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of that, part of God's plan. So I prayed for many months to be allowed the privilege to go where people hadn't heard, And I felt privileged that God counted me worthy to be sent. And I feel honored that God used my life and your lives to advance the gospel in a huge way. When I got back here to Canada in June, I was asked to speak in a church, and the pastor said what he wanted me to focus on and talk about was answering this question. You spent the bulk of your life either preparing or serving as an international worker for God. And as you look back on all those years, all that you've sacrificed, all that you've given for it, has it been a worthy use of your life? And if so, why? And I said, well, firstly, you know, it's not really a sacrifice to go where you want to go, to do what you want to do. I have no regrets on how I've chosen to spend my life I've never looked at what I've done in the 21 years in Guinea as a sacrifice in the sense that I was someplace where I didn't want to be, looking for some, to go someplace where I couldn't go. If I sacrificed anything, it was a willing sacrifice. And yes, yeah, I did have to give up with a few, give up a few creature comforts to be living in the third world uh, where there isn't like, you know, Costco and home hardware and all those kind of places. But... That didn't matter because I was really thankful that I could be where God wanted me to be and where you had sent me I know that many of you today that are here today and watching online that you also have sacrificed that you gave sacrificially to provide for the kingdom projects like the radio station the infant rescue center the prison work uh, the empowering of women to develop their spiritual gifts the discipleship and follow-up of people who professed faith in Christ. I'm sure that you had a hundred other things that you could have spent your money on, but you chose to sacrifice those things so that you could spend your money on, instead, willingly give to advance the kingdom of God in another country. I truly believe that the effectiveness of those ministries, especially the radio station, came from a team effort and literally hundreds of people who willingly accepted and accomplished their role on the team. I wasn't the only one that God gave a vision for this project. There was a team of people in various parts of the world that prayed for literally 10 years for a Christian radio station to be put into the capital city of of, uh, Guinea. And Grand Prairie Alliance Church, you answered the prayer. You were the answer to this prayer to provide so that a multitude of people could hear God's word. And you sacrificed your time in prayer. I know that. Prayer is the work of the ministry, and service is gathering up the results. In the 21 years that I was in Guinea, you were there with me. You provided much of what was needed for tens of thousands, even perhaps hundreds of thousands of people to hear through the radio and then respond in faith that the good news of the kingdom of God had come near to them. And we know that this is true, because in the six years that we broadcast our weekly prayer and healing program, every name, every prayer that was prayed for them in Jesus' name was recorded. And we followed up on each caller. Thousands of testimonies of answered prayer were recorded. Thousands upon thousands of thankful souls that Jesus had healed, provided, shown himself as the God of heaven, who had intervened in their life. Romans 12, one says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In In Revelation 22, Jesus says, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Our work from God is to proclaim Jesus, and it's the Spirit's work to save and to give eternal life. So during the six years that the Renaissance Radio had the prayer and healing program and follow-up, many people prayed to believe and receive Christ. But I couldn't know really what was in their heart. Only the Holy Spirit of Jesus knows that. So I chose not to record how many people what we call prayed the sinner's prayer. We know that God knows their names, and their names are written in the book of life. And we will wait for the day when those books are opened, and then we'll know how many were truly born into his kingdom through the Guinea Compassion Projects. So today I'm thankful, and I am satisfied with what God has given me to do for him, and I do trust that you feel the same way with how he has partnered with you and partnered with me to bring the kingdom to Guinea. It's not a sacrifice to do what you want to do. So I'm thankful for the privilege I had of serving him there. And I'm going to say in advance of knowing what God's new assignment for me here is in Canada, that I'm going to be thankful for the privilege of continuing to serve him here. Ephesians 6 tells us, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. First Corinthians 12, there's a different kind of service. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, 8, the one who plants, the one who waters, work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. In the past few months, I've given some time to really reflecting On a little bit of self-evaluation going over what God has taught me over these past years and in um, working overseas the training he's given me the things he's asked me to do and how can I use that all that he's taught me how can I use that to serve him here what I have heard is that even though my location has changed my assignment and my strategy to fill my assignment has not changed so what's my assignment I know that each of us are individuals and God doesn't give the same assignment to every person. But as I've looked over and prayed through, I know that my assignment is doing my part to fulfill God's plan for every tribe, tongue, and nation to hear and to respond to the good news so that God will be worshipped by someone from every tribe, tongue, and nation on earth. And the strategy God gave me at the beginning of my international service was look and see where I am working and join me there. So I will keep that strategy. And so why am I motivated? What motivates me to do this? Well, I want Jesus to return and I want him to set up his kingdom here on earth. I want to be free of this body of sin. I want to live in the future with God and with Jesus. And God has told me that he is preparing this for me. So whatever, he asks, if he needs someone to do something to work out this plan, I'm all in, and I'm willing to serve. I know that there are so many things that God wants done to fulfill his future plans for his church, and he's seeking ordinary people like you and me to be available to work out and to fulfill his plan. In my personal experience with the Lord, I know that when he asks me to do something and I'm certain that it's him that's asking, I know that he's going to provide all that I need to get his job done. Now, we all know there's a difference between being asked by people to do something and being asked by the Lord. And we know that the Lord often uses people to ask. But we also know that he uses the inner voice of the Holy Spirit to direct us in what we should say yes to. I have said yes to the Lord for quite a few things that I thought, I didn't have the training. I wasn't kind of very much of a big expert in that. It was kind of lots out of my comfort zone. But I've learned from experience that he will give me the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to do whatever he asks. So I just say yes. And this is just how God deals with me. And he has his way of dealing with you because we are each unique. But we all need to know how God deals with us so that we can embrace his assignment move into his adventures with him with confidence in who he is and who he's made us to be. He's made us each unique. He does not have a detailed action plan for everything, but I know that he has a good uh, life planner, and that's his holy word. In the 21 years that I served in Guinea, there were a lot of challenges, a lot of hard situations, painful experiences. You know, working in the prison so much injustice like the leader of the prison church in jail for 11 years and still hasn't been gone in front of the judge never knows when he's going to get out the years that we worked with abandoned babies that was a lot of pain corrupt officials that didn't even have an ounce of compassion for those kids numerous unfaithful workers who tried to destroy the radio And this the day-to-day struggles of living in a corrupt society run by a dictator. Yeah, I did ask Jesus from time to time, you know, what am I doing this for? And he always answered. And his word to me was, keep your eye on the prize. And the prize is Jesus. Being with him in the here and now is really precious. But the ultimate goal is that someday we will be with him we'll be able to see him face to face. And that day is what I look forward to. So how are we keeping our eyes on the prize? Well, I try and focus what I call the end game, and I find that end game in the book of Revelation. Revelation 19, 7 to 9, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has given herself, she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. try to always think about how I'm preparing myself to be the bride of Christ. I don't know when Jesus is going to return, but I know he's planning on returning. In Matthew 25, 14, 14 to 30, it talks about Jesus returning. And when he returns, I fully intend that he's going to find me doing his work. I've had 25 years overseas as an international worker and now I'm transitioning back to being in the homeland and I'm waiting on the Lord for my next assignment. And I know that just because I'm in between assignments doesn't really mean that I am being inactive. But I'm being intentional and intentionally looking to the Lord, uh, where is it that you want me to put my hand to the plow? What is it that you want me to do for you? I have always, since the beginning of my Christian life, been motivated by the Lord's return. But I only really studied the word about that kind of superficially. Uh, A few years ago, I decided that superficially was not sufficient. So I've learned to love reading the book of Revelation. I hardly ever read it before because I, I thought it really didn't have much practical application for daily living. And I've discovered that I was really wrong. In his perfect timing, God knew what I needed to help me through a deep, uh, painful season, and this was his word, his teaching, his instruction to me, to encourage me. So about six years ago, I was challenged through a message to read it once a week for three months and to see how God would speak to me through this book. While I took up the challenge, and what I discovered, that it wasn't as impractical to daily living as I had thought. And I think that that's kind of a principle of scripture, really, as we put ourselves before the Lord, asking him for illumination into his word. He loves to give us his light because he loves us to know him and to know his word. Now I try and read through it at least once a month. You know, the book of Revelation was written at a time of severe persecution in the church, and God gave this message to encourage the church. And this message, really, I have learned. It really encourages me. Because Jesus tells us in this book, his plan is to come back as a righteous judge, to get rid of sin and evil and death. His plan is to have us live in his presence in the new Jerusalem, to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. Years ago, I started making a little book of sayings. You know, Oh, I don't know if they do it anymore, but you know, in the Christian bookstores, you used to be able to buy like a 365-day uh, calendar type thing, and you'd have like a verse of the day, and like you'd tear it off and throw it in the garbage right for the next one. Well, I decided, you know, that as God was speaking to me through a verse or something I was reading or something I heard, that I would write it down and make my own little daily thing, you know, that you'd, go over and over, and I love that. I I read through this often because it helps me to remember uh, what God said to me. And uh, one of the things uh, that God said to me a few years ago that I wrote down was never allow the things you don't understand to obscure the areas of truth in which God has provided clear understanding. The word of God is full of mysteries. Not things that he doesn't want us to know, but mysteries that he's saved for us, that we can savor. So he's given us things that we can know for sure, but he's got mysteries in there that he's saving for us, these special things for another time. And so never allow the things that you don't understand to keep you from the areas of truth in which God has provided clear understanding. Well, when I was reading through the book of Revelations one time and uh, reading uh, somebody else's commentary on it, the thing I wrote down in my little book of remembrances is um, don't spend much time wondering when the events will happen. Spend the majority of your time learning how to live now so that you'll be the prepared bride. God is completely just. God is in control, and his plan is perfect. Evil will be fully destroyed. So what I find exciting about the book of Revelation are the things that I understand. I still don't grasp a lot of things, but the more I read, the more the Holy Spirit gives me understanding, and I don't feel the need to understand everything in the book to appreciate and to obey the things that I do understand. So if you have your Bible with you today, I'd like you to open it to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. And we'll just read the first couple of verses. Revelation one, 1 the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Revelation 1, 3. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. For every generation, Jesus has been telling us that the events that he is going to reveal to John are soon going to take place. In 2 Peter 3, 4, we read, that in the last days, many people will say, ah, where's the promise of his coming? For, from, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. This was written, well, it was probably only about 30 years before the book of Revelation, which means it was probably written 60 years after Jesus had resurrected. They were already saying, "Oh, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Some may count it slow that God is not fulfilling His promise to return. But we can be thankful, I can surely be thankful, that God has waited long enough for me to be saved because He does not wish for any to perish. He has a plan, and He's working His plan and we're a part of his plan. I know in our North American church culture, uh, we spend a lot of time focusing on Christmas and Jesus coming as a little baby in the manger. And um, boy, I love Christmas. Uh, you know, I love to decorate. I have numerous nativity scenes. I love to read uh, the, um, the story of Mary and uh, how the angel p- prophesied to her that she would bear the Christ child. I just love that. And, um, and I love that Christmas is like a whole season here in North America, like it's at least a month long. Uh, my experience in Guinea, like Christmas is two days. Like there's no pre-Christmas stuff, it's just Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and everybody's happy. Um, but here we have a real long savoring to savor that uh, experience that Jesus came as a baby and that he came to bring salvation. But I don't think we spend enough time on Easter. And I don't think we spend enough celebrations on the resurrection of Christ. You know, uh, Easter usually is like just a weekend. And then the arrival of the Holy Spirit, like that's just one Sunday, Pentecost. In the first chapter of Revelation, uh, we are given 23 descriptions of what Jesus looks like. And then after, in the next chapters, there's a lot more descriptions It tells us what he's doing, what the risen, resurrected Jesus looks like, what he's saying to the churches. And I find that every time I read it, I am just excited to know and to visualize this is where Jesus is, the resurrected and risen Lord. This is what he looks like. This is what he's thinking about. Like he's given us all of this uh, in this prophecy. What excites me too is about the worship scenes and we're told about, you know, how there's, a, there's the throne in heaven and, and around the throne there's 24 elders and these elders are sitting on their, their thrones and they've got crowns on and regularly they, they stand and they throw themselves down and they take their crowns off and they throw it at Jesus' feet in an act of worship. Wow. You know that the Bible tells us that there's crowns that we can have so that we're, when we are uh, in heaven and when we are clothed in Christ's own righteousness that one day we're going to receive a reward for all the work that we've done for him in his name. And all of us, me and you, well, we may not be eligible for every crown, but we should at least get a couple because they're pretty easy. And God wants us to have crowns. This is what he's going to give us as a reward. And what are these crowns? Well, in 2 Timothy 4.8, there's the crown of righteousness, which is going to be given to those who have a longing for the Lord Jesus and who look forward to his return. And then we see that in 1 Corinthians 9, there's the victor's crown. And this crown is going to be awarded to those who discipline their minds through the study of God's word and prayer. Everybody should get that crown. And then there's the crown of glory in 1 Peter 5, awarded to the faithful shepherds of the people of God and to Christian leaders. And then there's the crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians 2, which will be given to those who have led others to Christ. And the crown of life in James 1, Placed upon those who have endured and triumphed over trial and temptation and persecution, even to the point of martyrdom. For me, reading through the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of the resurrected Jesus our Lord, it helps me to keep my eye on the prize. It helps me to remember, to keep my life focused on the end game, to keep me focused on preparing for the wedding feast. When the storms of life come, When the blessings of life come, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know the plans He has for me, plans for a future and for a hope. And it helps me to focus on Jesus, that He is planning and preparing for His return, and He is preparing the banquet table for me, for you, His beloved ones. And He's expecting me to be preparing myself to meet Him as His bride, at the wedding banquet, and that he has a reward prepared for me. What I do for him here and now, he will give me a reward for that. And that, one of the things, is going to be that nice white linen garment that he's told me about. In Luke 14, 12 to 14, Jesus was teaching about humility while he was at a banquet. He turned to his host. He says to him, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, Don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who couldn't pay you back. The people of Guinea cannot pay you back for the sacrifices that you have made to bring the good news about the kingdom to them. Thank you for making it possible for them to be on the list of invited ones at the banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb. God has a reward waiting for you for the kindness that you have shown them, people you have never seen on the other side of the world because you partnered with God to send someone to preach of his kingdom to their nation. And today you've had another opportunity to partner with God to show kindness to people who are here in your own community, in your own Jerusalem, and they have, are going to receive this bountiful gift that you have given them. They cannot repay you. You might never even know who receives your gift, but God knows, and he's written it in his book, and his, your reward is waiting for you.